So that's kind of where I'm thinking this could go. But because <laughs> I think it's it's a lot of what both of our brands, all of our brands stand for, get more out of it than what a lot of people choose to get. Well, it's almost like scaling it back and then reorganizing it priority-wise and be able to sustain it on your own, but with, with greater health at the same time, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, it this definitely seems like it got to, okay, kind of the way people are approaching their health and fitness, you're kind of focusing on the wrong things. Yeah. <laughs> That's a, and, and I think it's super revealing for a lot of, leaders in the industry um for like how is everyone stepping up and like helping their people out or helping you know communicate what's going on and also explaining the opportunities or sharing what the struggle is and it just seems like that isn't really going on right now not not nothing but not to the potential that it could be it yeah i think it's it's definitely um, not being highlighted in the way that it is. Like, it's happening. It's kind of, like, happening on the black market. People are talking, like, oh, my God, I just had a meltdown. Is this happening to you, too? Um, whereas I think there's a real, like, educational standpoint that can be talked about more of, like, this is a learning opportunity. This is, like, that is a sign that you're about to have a breakthrough. It's not something that's wrong with you necessarily it this is you need to recognize that moment of weakness or temptation failure or whatever as an opportunity to like how can I do this better next time or like look for it for an area to get better as a person and make better choices I don't know kind of like that (laughs) and also like for people who are I mean, traditionally, this is something that we count down to, right? Like the date is a countdown. And now we're having to learn that sometimes it might be canceled or it might get postponed. And oh, how, yeah. are we de- how are we dealing with that? You know, how are we able to be flexible, which is something that hasn't been real popular in this industry before. So it's a lot of inflexible people who need control, mm-hmm. not, not like resisting the the changing time right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I find that fascinating I wish that I was seeing more um, lean into health mm-hmm. uh, with the changes that are happening in the fitness industry like <coughs> dieting for a show right now is not necessarily a waste of somebody's dog was like amening that yeah that's mine sister amen yeah Ozzy <laughs> So we have a lot of construction going on, and apparently he doesn't like people who wear safety vests, um, so he's angry all the time, because there's people with vests walking around our house quite frequently. <laughs> but he's very protective, and we're living, yeah, whatever. That's what I'm okay about. I'm, it'll be fine. Um, yeah, so leaning into that health aspect, like, it's not necessarily a weight. I feel like there's a general feeling of, like, women feel like the, all of their efforts have been lost or wasted because they didn't get to step on stage when they thought they were going to, or maybe at all. And so what would you choose to do with that? And a lot of people are so much, it takes planning to lead up into it. No one's just getting ready for a preparation. It could take you a year before you can say yes 
next fall I get to do this for me mm-hmm. now you start 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 see changes and then you're like what was did I choose the wrong path did I make a mistake did yeah. I, you know I gotta start over again it's I either owning up to it or I think it's forcing people to make decisions that they normally wouldn't because I think there's a lot of competitors that choose competition to, to keep them in check from something else because they like don't know how to manage eating without having a competition or they don't know how to manage how they look without having this goal. So it's kind of teaching them that, you know, what, what happens when we take that opportunity away and where, where can you go instead? So how can you take that, learn from it and pivot into something else? Because the show is not the end all be all. And I think it is forcing, like you both have said, people to look at this long-term health as a little bit more important than this short-term goal. Mm -hmm. And I've had a lot of competitors actually say that, you know, they noticed in prep that a lot of like disordered eating or negative self-talk or some things have been coming up for them that weren't, that they weren't aware of, that they're really glad that they were able to step back out of prep. Almost release from. Yes, Mm -hmm. yes. Mm-hmm. So that's and, been, and I mean, that's been pretty cool. I think a lot of times I, I, because that, that push through mentality that is so heavy in prep can sometimes be unhelpful when, you know, there's a time and a place to push through. And I think that a lot of people choose to push through, even though there are other circumstances, like you said, that are coming mm-hmm. up for them right now, whether it be physical health or, you know, financial health, which is, you know, relevant. Right. Um, or mental health, I think is coming up for people a lot more. Um, and I think now it gives people permission to say, like, is this something I want to continue to push for? Or do I want to pivot and take what I've invested and try to spin it in a good direction? Like I still I put a lot of money down on this thing, even for me in like a financial way, if I would have competed, I would be like, okay, I spent a lot of money doing this. Like, how do I make this something worth investing in? Because I literally just put hundreds of dollars towards something. I want it to come to some sort of channel. Um, What does that look like for you? How, what are, what are some ways, um, or I guess, what are are some other topics coming up that are a little bit more revealing um, that I didn't talk about? Like mental health or like other other reasons or whatever? Um, or where do you think people can pivot from with this investment? Where, where do we go from here? Well, I think I, it might go back to mindset. To me, it's like you got the rug pulled out from under you and so did everyone else. But you still had a goal in mind and you had been working hard. You had everything on board. And now everything that happened like a hurricane hitting it's out of your control you can't you can work on your daily but you've lost you've lost that end path so how do you reset that mind to be like i'm still okay what's the next step whether it's take a year off keep going till the fall even when you don't know that kind of stuff it's almost resetting that mindset for me i like that mindset reset mindset reset right there yep And I think it is giving people a lot of perspective, like just this time mm-hmm. for a lot of people. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Dang. Uh, it's giving people a lot of perspective on what's important, what's really important to them. 
you know, is bodybuilding really important to them or is spending time with their family really important? You know, like they're, they're getting to see things that they wouldn't be able to if they were just going through their daily grind because life slowed down. And people, like a lot of my clients are realizing, I'm giving up a lot of family time for this. And I don't know that that's like the return on investment, the ROI is worth it to me. Mm-hmm. You know, is, and like reassessing that, is the ROI enough to keep going? Is it right. enough to like really go for it? Or is it, is it not? Mm-hmm. So definitely, that's interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that even, um, I think there's a really special moment that happens when you put the pencil, the paper, when you ask yourself a question and just try to answer it the best you can. And so for me, if I were a competitor that was going through this right now, I would try to, I'm in this big thing of like painting the picture, like designing your new life because it's such an interesting time of change. I'm trying to be the architect of my own life basically. Um, And so a question I would ask myself is what's my new balance Um, or a way to dissect that even more would be what are my priorities and then even more yes. left field, I would say, what are my values? I wouldn't have ever asked myself that question again had I not gone through another book that asked me to rank five um, values. But I had a sticky note in the book and I immediately didn't look at it because I wanted to do it again for this Camille. And they changed so much. And it, it, they reason, the, the things that I valued before made sense to what I chose to do then and the things that I value now make way more sense to me now if that makes sense so there was a reason for the change but I would have never noticed that there was a change had I not actually thought about it ranked it and compared them in the forced lockdown forcing a big change in people's lives makes you your priorities are going to shift and your values are going to shift it's almost like because everyone was forced into the same circumstance and every variable is different, but you should, everyone should sit down and, and just re-examine maybe what new direction and how you can embrace it and not be angry being forced to change, but being more enlightened by having to change when you weren't ready for it. And I think it, it also forces clarity for people. Like if they are willing to take the time to sit down with what Camille is talking about, values, perspective, that kind of thing. If they're able to sit down and just be really clear, and it might start with what they don't want, like what they don't value so that they can see the contrast of, okay, so what's the opposite of like, I don't like people who lie. I value honesty, right? So it's, it's helping them create some clarity around how they want to live which I think a lot of women lack, right? Like just, just generally because they're so like, our society keeps us so busy trying to be all the things, right? And then the fitness industry like takes that and escalates it. So it's like, we're already trying to do all these things. And then I noticed with moms, like, and like, correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm not a mom, That's but there's like a lot of shaming around women who are moms who prioritize themselves and their health. Oh, huge, huge. And that's gross. Like, Terrible. What, that's, are you, what impression are you giving children? If you are not self-satisfying, you can't, if you don't fill your cup, you can't fill anyone else's cup. And mm-hmm. a lot of women that I notice, and that's why I push a lot of myself still, is because mm-hmm. a lot of women I notice wait until the kids are gone or graduated. That is the most pivotal point for you to teach your child to not give up on yourself 
while they're learning to be themselves. You know what I mean? They need to see mom doing, creating and adapting and still Mm -hmm. fulfilling as they are learning to be a person and and be their own adult. Right. Yep. No, I, I completely agree. And that seems like, like, unfortunately, very common, but, mm-hmm. but the women who do, like, and I think that maybe people don't understand, if you do that, if you do the selfless thing, it's actually really detrimental to you mm-hmm. and your kids, because then you encourage that behavior for them and the future generations. Right. So, and, and even and I think a lot of women think it's a lot of all or nothing, mm-hmm. or they see a woman given to themselves and they think that they're sacrificing other times and stuff. But mm-hmm. even if it's 20 minutes or 50 minutes or whatever, start little if it's too scary for you. Mm-hmm. It needs to be 15 minutes of clarity and rejuvenating however you find that fulfillment. And then as you realize the 15 minutes here and there, give you so much more then you can allow more if it's too big and scary and you're offended by other women doing it then it's your own you're projecting right and you just need to do a little bit just to start Mm -hmm. put your toe in the water see if it's going to work out for you Mm -hmm. and whatever that 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 and a lot of that like when you're doing this kind of stuff whether you're a structured person who responds well to that or i structure myself to get quiet and like listen for the nudge That's just like the best way that I've heard books explain what is it that's the truest you because like you're saying like it that kind of gets clouded and it just it it gets it's evolved over time like even I do a lot of self-reflection on like who I was five years ago a lot of journaling and comparison and it's interesting you never feel yourself change but you super change that you and you should be changing Uh, so you kind of look back at that and I, I don't you have to sit with your the, the best way that I found it explain and with myself to find what that inner you is that gift that you have to share with everyone which still leans a little left for me to even say that I gotta be honest but I'm finding that to be true is to create a space where you can get quiet and just listen for that inner nudge mm-hmm. you can do a quick litmus test a or b and listen for, does it expand you or does it contract you? That one was a really easy one for me to mm-hmm. test things with. Like, and, it. and I'm definitely getting left field here, but that's how it was for me. I read a book that taught me how to left-right test, like contract, mm-hmm. expand. And that was easy to feel. And then I, you just hone in on that. Mm-hmm. But some, some that's, more practical that's so That's so good and like so relevant, I think, right now too, because I, I find a lot of my competitors who are like late thirties, early to mid forties are all struggling with saying no, but also saying yes, like making a decision. Like even when it comes to their trainer, like they'll tell me, I don't like the way my trainer talks to me. And I'm like, well, then it's your responsibility to teach them how to talk to you, you know, or if you don't like how they're doing, like ask a question. And right now, you know, pretty much everyone is like, oh, I'm not bothering my trainer because I know they're struggling. If you're paying them for a service, you should still be in touch with your trainer. Yeah. Like, and that could help them, too. At the yeah. yeah. And it helps give them something to be like, hey, I am making a difference for someone. My, my client is reaching out to me and is continuing to move forward. Like, doesn't that feel good? And, like, for the people who are trainers or coaches, like, how are you supporting your clients right now? You know, like... Are you hopping on a weekly Zoom call? Are you making sure everyone is okay? How are you 
staying on top of that or did you disappear? Because I get some people who are like, my trainers straight up disappeared. disappeared. Like, don't know where they are. I believe it. Definitely. I actually had an audible exclaim exclamation today about I was able to get a piece of advice for one of my new clients when she was about to, before she got to the grocery store. I was able to give her a recommendation oh, of what specific item I wanted her to get. And I was like, yes. Yep. Like, I, I don't know. So that was, yeah. But I, oh, I hear what win. you're saying. <laughs> and I think like, like for, and not even just bodybuilding specific, but if we just want to talk about women, yeah. I think for women who don't want to ask, who are afraid to make the decision or to be decisive, they have some internal struggle with worthiness around, am I worth making sure that I get what I pay for? Am I worth making a finite decision? Am I worth asking someone if I could possibly be rejected, even though your trainer is not going to reject you, you know, like hopefully, but it's just like those, it's like those little voices, those little things that I think deter a lot of people from asking for what they need or from just making a decision even. And I noticed that like this at the start of this year, that that was kind of the underlying theme for my clients was indecisiveness and like, having trouble asking for what they needed and not knowing how to have a difficult conversation if they're not getting what they need. Mm. And that's like, that's not the typical, Mm -hmm. like I feel like every season has kind of an underlying Mm team and that's not typical for, for my clientele. I think a lot of the the change has everything just so clouded for lack of a better term. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to find one, but uh, one thing that, it works for me to kind of, because when you're in that place where you're like, oh my God, things are falling from the sky. What is happening? You can't really find that happiness because you're just too pissed off. So one thing that that I, because the flip side of happiness is being pissed off. And so like a really touchable, tangible way to find out what you care about is think about the last five rants you went on. Uh, that will highlight what you care about because right. if you're passionate clearly about something, what like, are you holding on to? Yeah, yeah. and like yeah. legit, like think, listen, listen for that like <sighs> rant, and then go and rerun it and find out what that topic is because you care a lot about that because it's a hot button issue. You are otherwise you wouldn't be rewriting it again. Like mm-hmm. honestly, it's so much harder for me to find like what brings me joy when I'm pissed off because of something. <laughs> So I'm like, okay, well, why does this apply to me? Like, my driveway, I can't go on it for a week when I'm supposed to be moving. And I'm like, well, why does that bother me so much? I'm like, I care about convenience. And it's not convenient to me. It's not going to be a problem. It'll be fine. But I want convenience. And I was like, oh, I was like, oh, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. And I just chose to have the same situation that I was super pissed off about. Because I was like, why me? It is my moving day. Why is my yeah. sidewalk being done it during be this my hard. day? It's not hard for everyone else. Yeah, and I was, like, times- super upset about it. I had to, like, end my phone call conversation. I was like, I can't talk to you right now. I'm just going to get more pissed. So I just was like, <laughs> I was just talking to my brother. I was just going to rant. And I was like, no, right. I don't want to rant. No, it doesn't have to be a problem. We'll park it on the sidewalk. Now you're what you're saying and you're extending it. And now you're telling the story. And what's is that the story you really want to be telling? That's not who you are. It's what you're connecting to right now because it's something to talk about. And it's lighting a fire. But to me, it's almost just a lot of times. And I've had a lot of hurdles come at me throughout this. And Camille's been pulling me out of the ground here. 
and trying to lift me up again and see a lot of self-value. But it's like, what am I, what am I fighting for? Where am I headed with it? And a lot with me is I don't want to talk about it yet because I haven't found ease around it. And when I figure Mm. out that this problem is a problem that anyone can have and anyone can have a version of that and it can affect them greatly. But until I can be like, it's just a problem. I can solve it because I like to solve problems. I have to find that ease around it. So Camille be like, hey, this sounds like it's not going well for you. I'm like, I don't want to talk about it. I can't found my ease. I haven't found yeah. the, yeah, it's a shit storm, but it's going to be okay. And a lot of people mm-hmm. get caught in the shit storm and they haven't been able to just breathe and be like, okay, I can make it easier. I can get through it. There is a light at the tunnel. How do I find that calmness? Mm-hmm. And once you find that calmness, you have that law of attraction, and then you build upon that, and it becomes easier, and it's okay. It's just something that happened that you don't talk about. You don't tell people about because it was just 10 things went wrong today. I don't care. 18 things went great today, and that's what I'm focused mm-hmm. on instead. And that's yes. been a lot of hurdles for me during the quarantine is – creating ease around all the hiccups and recognizing it is a choice on what stories you retell continue yes that's that was yeah i I think i think mine is like very similar i look for peace Mm -hmm. because i have felt anxiety i have felt depression i have felt all of those things and when i focus on all the things that are going wrong i go there like right now and i don't that isn't the story i want to tell but sometimes I need to feel that a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then how do I come back to peace? How do I find, like, if something is bothering me, do I need to take a few minutes? Do I need to face it? Or do I need to do anything around it? Or do I need to come back to it? Yep. You know, and like, ha- if I'm highly emotional, that's probably not a good time for me to make a decision yeah. on it. Because <laughs> I'm stressed. Mm-hmm. And when I can have less stress in my body, I make better decisions. Exactly. So, or the right answer comes to you naturally. Yes. Like, what? I wasn't even thinking about that when I was super mm-hmm. angry because you were caught on repeating the story to yourself mm-hmm. and getting yourself all tied up in it. And how are you going to tell other people? Get them tied up in it. Be a mm-hmm. story that you can both be angry together about that you're so <laughs> thankful. Thank you for being angry with me right now. Instead, <laughs> how do you retell the story to yourself to be like, well, I guess it ain't that bad. You know, what am I going to tell my best friend? If it happened yeah. to her, I'd be like, water off a duck's back. Get over it, bitch. Move on. And instead, you're like, oh, I need her to be angry with me. But instead, tell yourself the story. Let the story go. Create a new story with ease. And that's the story you tell. You know, it, it, it's not an easy thing to do. And awareness is a big Well, Oh, yeah. And, and like when this all started, like I didn't know what to do. I was like, this is the end of my business for right now. Like I'm not going to have any new clients coming in through that, but how do I still provide value for the people who did pay me? Even if it's not around like competition, even if it's just around what's going on Mm -hmm. and like how we can stay sane through it, you know, like how do, how do you just find a way to pivot into the new challenge and just say, Hey, we're going to face this together and we're going to like, we're going to listen to each other and like appreciate each other, but we're also going to continue to move forward, whatever that looks like for us. And for everyone, it was different. 
you know, you have, you have some people who are still very committed to the idea of competition this year, which I'm not really sure about. Like, I'm not really sure anything is going to happen this year. So I'm like, maybe think about next year. And some people don't want to hear that. They've been in yeah. prep for like a year and you're just like, well, you probably should just call it. Yeah. Right. But then it's their experience to have, like, mm-hmm. what does, what is, what did they want out of it? Because it doesn't matter what I see or what I want. It matters what they see and what they want. Right. So and what stories they want to tell. Yeah. Absolutely. So it's, that's been really cool too is watching people say like hey i've decided not to do this right now i want to focus on my family and for the people that say hey i'm going to keep going on this and the people who are in between having everyone support each other even though their decisions are all very different has been really cool to watch Mm -hmm. yeah seeing everyone kind of support each other it seems like Mm -hmm. there's kind of uh a progression, like a, a series of stages that you, everyone's kind of going through or um, that you can use to help work through this. Mm-hmm. So this is what I've kind of pieced together based on what we're talking about. It first starts with awareness. Anita, you, you said it, but I really just want to highlight that it takes a very mental conscious effort to be aware of that voice in your head and to piece together all of the pieces of the puzzle that we're going to talk about. And an element that I really feel that I noticed that I didn't learn when I was in contest prep was that tracking my macros fueled my body to be able to perform a physical task, but eating the way that I choose to eat now, I choose to, it's the micronutrients feed my brain and my energy and my zest for life. And yes, higher calories and other things play a factor in that, but I felt a physical difference in how my body handled good, clean, whole foods, variety of fruits and vegetables, healthy fats and fishes versus Walden Farms, Kodiak cakes, Greek yogurt, cheese, whatever I could get away yeah. with. I noticed for me a distinct difference. So and I think it's really hard to have intellectual thought and mental cognizant energy when you're feeding low octane fuel to your body. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Your body has to process it more, break it down more. It's a whole different thing. It's foreign things coming in on whatever calorie level. It's not benefiting. It may Mm -hmm. satisfy you taste bud-wise or smell-wise or in the moment, but that's your choice to have that disconnect to real food, and it's your choice on how how you approach food, food and appreciate it. But the natural things, the micronutrients, are the ones that are going to fuel you in ways that you're not being prepared for. And yeah, it served a time and place for me in the past, but I choose different foods now, though, yeah. There's so much to be said about, like, I am tired of hearing coaches say food is fuel because that totally, like, like negates the fact that we have an emotional and mental connection to food and culture and things like that, and it makes that, like, irrelevant. Like, sorry, you guys, like, that's great that you like these things, but we're just going to do all these things that you don't like. And that, like, I think that there is some piece of a lot of competitors that likes that kind of martyr feeling or mm-hmm. like giving up these things. So you should praise me for going without. And you're like mm-hmm. first world problems also. Yep. Yep. Um, yes. but, then, but then like looking at food and just saying like, Hey, I'm going to enjoy this. And I enjoy a better quality of life. Like what you said about low octane fuel is like 100% on. I remember eating that shitty ass Walden Farms syrup and being like, oh, this is the best thing ever for like two moments of satisfaction. Uh-huh. 
And then like how I feel now, I wouldn't trade it because I eat all the foods I want. I eat lots of fruits and vegetables. I eat some meat. I eat some fish. I eat eggs. I eat all things that I like. But I feel like my brain functions. My skin is good. Like I feel good. And it isn't even just about aesthetically how Mm -hmm. I look. Like, could I go back to a contest prep diet? No. That makes me think about binging. You know, like that. That's true. I I can't put back in that. Yeah. If you yeah. can't read it on the label, if you can't pronounce it, then do you think your body really wants it? No. You know what I mean? Those single food item food groups have so many more micronutrients that are given and possible that you don't even realize compared to the Walden Farms where their list is that long. You can only pronounce water. <laughs> and it's zero calories and zero, like, everything. Anything. You're like, this is not zero. There's something in here. You what just don't it? have a name for it yet. Yeah. And <laughs> honestly, it I would call it cancer, but that's, like, that people don't like that. Yeah. It, it, so I don't but it that. is. You're, all that foreign stuff is just... It just is not good for the body. It can't, mm-hmm. it doesn't know what it is. And it's honestly, for vitamin a. I, I think the general message is that we've all been, or maybe, I think we all have been through that stage at some point in some varying degree. And it's not saying that you shouldn't go down that path because I think you have the right to explore and learn your own lessons. Mm-hmm. Because for me, at a time in my life, that risk was worth the reward or whatever. But yep. I'm saying that things yeah. are different now and we don't have to get dick skin shredded in light of our ex husband making them mad. <laughs> Um, and we can choose to, I will never get tired of you saying that, right? We can choose to find a deeper purpose for choosing different foods and going through like, you know, resisting the temptation for hot dogs and ice cream and freaking donuts. I hate some of our cultural norms, by the way, though, I think it's fine to eat a donut. I just don't like that. It's gifted for every birthday. Right, right, right. Well, and here's the other thing. I think that if you wanted to look at it deeper, I think that your relationship with food has a lot to do with how you believe, like what you believe about yourself. Mm -hmm. So if you don't think you're worth the organic chicken or organic eggs or like whatever it is, like there's an internal issue that has nothing to do with food. It has to do with how you look at yourself. So I think that that's really overlooked. Mm. So when I ask people about their relationship with food, I'm actually like, this is kind of reflective of the way that you view yourself, the way that you choose to eat. Either like you respect your body and you put good things into it, or you treat it like a garbage disposal, or you eat only clean foods that are terribly boring. (laughs) You know, like, so whatever your relationship with food is also kind of where you're at with yourself. And exactly how Camille said, like, we're not telling anyone not to have that, you know, experience or, or to be where we are, but I, I had to have that experience to be where I am now because I had to, through my journey, create contrast mm-hmm. because that's how, that's how I learned. Mm-hmm. Like, I have to see dark to understand light. I have to be hungry to understand what satisfied means and mm-hmm. like actually learning how my body works and not just being totally 100% reliant on somebody else to tell you every single thing that you need to put in your mouth. Like, I think that there's a, a big opportunity for people to want to learn instead of just following orders, wanting to learn more about how food works and how it actually can nourish your body and how you can feel. Because that was something that I asked people too, is like, 
do you know what full feels like? Do you know when to stop? Like, do you know when you feel satisfied? And then you know that extra, like, I'm at about 75%. And if I keep eating, I'm going to be past 100%. You know, so do you know how to feel those things and to be able to talk about it or like verbalize like, hey, I'm at about 80% right now. I like not feeling super full. So that's where I stop. That's where I stop. I feel good. And I don't, I don't ever have that overly full feeling unless I choose to. Yeah. Because I know what that feels like. But a lot of people have trouble, like, just verbalizing that. I I had to read a book that is, like, the way that I I process a lot of information. And so I read a book called Intuitive Eating, and I distinctly remember going through the time in my life when I had to practice a set of rules in how to listen to what my hunger felt like. The hardest thing I ever had to do, I swear to God, maybe not ever, that's an exaggeration, but in regards to, like, self-discipline... I had to set the fork down between my bites and that was so awakening. Mm -hmm. Very, yeah. So, but again, it's, it's, you don't have to follow a set of rules. I do recommend that book to a lot of people, but you do have to create that mental awareness. It helps to tie it to a cue. If you can trigger it, you know, there's a lot of ways you can leverage this against your, you know, your human nature using habit inserting techniques I know that sounds like but that's the right side of my brain kicking in that's like let's life hack the crap out of this and recognize that every time I see food on my plate and I go to take a picture of it which I already do let's remember the time to set my fork is nigh and it's time to be prepared like this is go time we got to practice this in eating a lot of people don't realize is it's conditional and the beliefs are set as children and babies and you so know, unfortunately however your mother and your parents raised you or the environment you were raised in are embedded ingrained with all these beliefs that you may not have anymore but you're working on self-release and self-help and physical health and other things that you forget that your conditions were set a long time ago you have to reset them and to reset mm-hmm. them to get out of your comfort zone. She would just first one finished, get second round, right? Like at the soul house, if you don't get hungry, you snooze yeah. lose around here. Some rapid instead, eating. Like she, you know what I mean? Just put it down and wait a minute. Am I really hungry? And I know Camille had a moment where she was at my house and I just kept going to the fridge and I looked at her. I'm like, I'm not hungry. I'm avoiding work. I'm avoiding cleaning. Mm-hmm. I'm just looking in the fridge right now, and I know I'm not hungry. If you go to the fridge or you think about food or anything, and you don't know what you want, you're not quite sure, you can't make a decision, you're not hungry. You mm-hmm. don't know what hunger is. Hunger is when you will eat anything in front of you, and mm-hmm. you are going to be so appreciative that it's yes. protein in a carb. That's hungry, and that's mm-hmm. when you're, you know what I mean? It's, it's reconditioning very, very long embedded beliefs and attachments to Absolutely. and what they are given to you. Or, and even being able to, like, say when I'm emotional, I, I like, emotionally binge on food mm-hmm. or I don't eat. And, like, even identifying where that comes from because, like, for me, I don't, I'm not an emotional eater. I'm an emotional non-eater because yeah. I watched my mom like emotionally eat peanut M&Ms when I was a kid and it was like a pound bag of them. Yep. She would just eat them and I was like, and she would be like crying. I'm like, 
why is she eating and crying? That's so weird. You know, like, I'm like, that's, yeah. kind of, that's, that's I don't like that. Like, uh-huh. physically, I don't like that. So when I'm, when I'm frustrated, I don't eat. And I'm not saying that one is better than the other, but being able to even oh, identify that story mm-hmm. and say, like, this is where that came from. Like, why are these behaviors happening? And how do I help, like, kind of restructure them in a way that serves me better? Right. I have a lot of, go ahead. Um, I was just going to say, so I would like pin that to, so in order to release kind of the problem that you're having with this issue would be to go and revisit those Mm -hmm. mm, memories or ideas or beliefs. So I like to really use a surface example to like run it home. Mm -hmm. So I grew up thinking I didn't like asparagus. Like every time it was offered immediate, no, never. And then at some point in my college career, I was like, you know, I don't know if I like asparagus or not. Like, everyone's got pretty mixed opinions. Some people love it. Some people hate it. I always said I didn't like it. But like, I guess I don't really know. So you go and you try it. And you kind of have to do the litmus check. You got to see if you like it or not. Because it's just easier with food because your palate seems more defined somehow. um, Than being able to sit with an emotion or a memory of like, do I actually have to eat fast? Is that required of me? Huh. Yeah, it's right. not. Interesting. I can choose to live my life a different way than my parents did. What a thought. Mm-hmm. Yep. But right. it's, it's, it's still like... Or, like, that's so, that's so good because I think about that and I'm like, when we were in the Marine Corps, we literally, like, they would, as soon as you sat down with your food, like, hurry, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. And you were like, my God, I gotta eat, like, right now. So mm-hmm. it was like I didn't even taste anything that I was eating. Yep. I just went... So I went from that to competition prep. So it was like a very easy segue into like, I don't really like these things, but I'm just going to eat it fast. And I didn't realize how fast I ate until people around me were like, can you slow down? Can you breathe? And I'm like, no, not really. But then like you bring up asparagus and a lot of things that I ate during competition prep trigger me like to feel that way. Like I don't really eat asparagus anymore. (laughs) Not very often. I don't eat grilled chicken breasts I think it's gross um you know like there's just things like combinations that I don't eat anymore because I eat so much of it and it was like so repetitive for me that I'm that I feel like I'm punishing myself if I if you put a bowl of like grilled chicken breasts and asparagus and rice in front of me I would not eat it because that's a new conditional beliefs that you had brought Mm -hmm. because of what was put forth because there was no variety in your contest prep Exactly. They were working to get change and conditional change. And instead of having an intuitive contest prep or having more macro style or Mm -hmm. counting everything and having more freedom that you were put on one track and burnt out. Burning out food is a very common thing. And this is actually really interesting with that very specific example, which is actually relevant to like, what badge do you wear? That also is very revealing about like, not just the shit that pisses you off, but like, what do you like wear with pride for me? And you know, being a trainer, it's a story that I get to tell to clients in certain times. I don't tell all of it by any means, but I did actually eat chicken and sweet potatoes and green beans at least twice a day for 22 weeks. I don't give a crap if you get bored of the food. I think you want too much variety and you're not willing to track your macros. You got to eat what you want to like eat it until you can't eat it anymore. I'm sorry. I don't feel bad. And that's terrible, but that's a badge that I wore for many, many, many experiences. Like I live through it. You should be able to deal with it too type of thing. Yes. And that's horrible. But I also 
So much so that, it, and I flip it into a positive way of, yeah. I still eat that meal. I just add avocado and bell peppers to it now. And that's what I enjoy. And that's one of my favorite, most common meals that I actually eat each and every day to some variation, except for it's mm-hmm. like gr- ground turkey or chicken, depending on the week. Like I, I genuinely still eat that quite a bit and enjoy it because it's my choice. But it's funny because both sides. Well, and I think that there's like, I would love to hear your take on, do you think it's better for competitors to be on a meal plan or to track macros? Or do you think one first and then the other? Because there's so many like, you know, I don't do nutrition, but I, I like, I think that doing a meal plan helps me understand when I look at food, like this is kind of the amount or that my body needs like this is what I feel like when I see this amount that's good for me like I know that that's 20 grams of protein Mm -hmm. or I know about how much nutrition like nutrition I'm getting out of it right so I think that helped me understand that but I think there's a lot of people who like like that won't the meal plan won't work for them because they just they won't follow some they will not choose to follow something like that because they don't feel like suffering so a lot of people complain about how hard macros are, but at the same point, I'm like, if you do macros, you're choosing something that I already think is more sustainable for long term that you perhaps can move to some form of less tracking, like maybe partially intuitive eating or moderation or whatever you want to call it. So I would love to hear both of your takes on like, what do you think around those, those practices? Camille, you want to go first or sure. you want me to? Uh, yeah. Um, having gone from meal plan, eat the exact same thing weeks on end, and being shown what I thought at the time, the light at the end of the tunnel, which was tracking your macros, um, and also transitioning off of that into fully intuitive eating, I don't track anymore. I will track in occasion if I change my goal from where I'm at to trying to gain weight or trying to lose weight, I will do a check to see kind of where I'm at and then reference it by my macros and calories on where I need to go from here um, just to see where I'm at. Otherwise, I just listen to – I follow a similar structure. So I like that a meal plan teaches you in how many times per day to eat that you like. It shows you what five options a day looks like because that's just to me very different than a normal household. And so I liked that I got to experience that and also experience good clean food. Um, I liked that macros gave me flexibility. It was a part-time job, and I cannot stress that enough when it comes to clients. I think it makes a lot of sense for competitors to be willing to sacrifice eight hours a week to track their macros and be able to have that flexibility trade-off. I think when it comes to general population, people looking for health and well-being um, that might have more irons in the fire, they might be momming, might be working, might have more on their plate. I do think tracking is a very unrealistic long-term solution. However, I do think a short period of time of tracking gives you the education of what foods contain what macronutrients and how it feels in your body to be able to make that association looking back at, at data that you can get to a place where you have that ability to be able to eyeball measurements and be able to make what I would consider an educated decision for what foods you're going to eat which sometimes does include pizza, ice cream, and beer. But you're at that point, you're able to tack it to something that you can reference that you've had experience with. 
that now you're able to make an educated decision to the best of your ability at that time. And sometimes you will let yourself down in the choices you make. And that's when you give yourself grace and move forward. And you have to get quieter during that litmus check test because some, some other voice led you there. And it, it's those kind of moments or, you know, you, you misinterpreted some rationale if you did feel like you let yourself down, like, but you have to let yourself stumble to figure that out. And I think for a lot of people, myself included, that was very hard to let go of that control of numbers, of data, of concrete, of certainty. I had to learn to trust myself. And that was really, really hard. So for a long time, I just followed what I was eating on macros. Just ate the same food every day. Like I just ate the same type of structure. And over time, I got more, I, you know, had pulled out some meals and I like found my new norm of how many meals per day I eat and what I typically eat at those meals. I used to eat egg whites only for breakfast because I saved my fat for something else. I, I actually just gave myself the permission to eat more fat is what happened actually. Okay. I still value protein, but I shift the amount of macros that my body, I feel the best in that hits my goals. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of how I progressed through it and what I learned from each stage in as neat of a nutshell as I could get it. Right. I, I think to, to piggy up, piggyback off of Camille's, I think it comes down to a lot of aha moments that people have along their life. Like I had aha moments even before I got into tracking, you know, with weight fluctuation and where the way I looked at food and drinking or other things and how my weight would change with all them and associate. Is that who I am? Am I of this size or am I carrying this much weight? That's not who I want to be. Aha moment. Let's do something change. And that was even before I dove into any macros or any structured eating program. I think my first program was more of a macro based, but I, I had to figure out where my what portion control. And it's a lot of that 101 learning curve and everyone's coming in on a different 101 and how much you know. I knew food. I knew good food. But I didn't know what a good portion was compared to a carb, fat, a protein, and how often I can eat smaller portions all day long and keep it fueling. So as I learned myself, and I, I tap into a lot of intuitive eating, even when I'm on contest prep, and even when I was doing macro training, if I was eating my what my macros said and I didn't feel right, I would... I would adapt and be like, okay, let's go more fast because something's not triggering here. And again, my, my personal goals aren't always to win the award, but more of to win the, to win the battle here and to be comfortable with ease here and have a comfortable relationship with food along the way. And again, I'm a big, I tend to not eat when I'm stressed or when I'm pushing through but if I'm stressed all day and then I find some ease later on in the day, I know I'm behind on calories. It does not bother me to calorie fill later on at night and know that sure. my body's working to push. So I think a lot of times it's being open to exploring the different avenues and mm. then taking the intuitive eating, the micro-macro eating, the calorie counting, all of that, and seeing it how it works for you. Even with Riley and I, he knows his bodybuilding prep, but he had dealt with his last round and did a bunch of changes. And as he was doing the changes, he knew, he's like, I need more fats. I need ground beef. My body's, you know, and reading and learning about yourself. So it's almost like 
exploring all the different avenues and allowing yourself to really listen to yourself. Yes, a coach can put you on macros that would fit your body type, your height, your weight, all of that. But at the same time, if you're craving avocado or butters or fats or coconut oil, then you got to be like, hey, 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 my body's screaming something here. That's when you just allow that intuition, even if you're not relying on your intuition all the time um, and you're formulating a plan and seeing the changes that you want to see. If something is saying or screaming to you, like last night I was hungry, but I kept staring at the fridge and I was like, all I want is protein. I seriously, just Mm -hmm. all I want is protein. So Riley's like, just grab a bunch of meatballs and eat your proteins. So it's almost like, am I hungry? But what is my body hungry for? And what have I lacked on today? And what can I refuel and refill? So I've, I've had a lot of personal aha moments on, on big, big types of fasting and big moments where I'm allowing stress to overtake when I should still be fueling throughout the day. I love mini meals. I love that 250, 300 calorie meal packed in with your protein, your carb, your fat, or vice versa all all day long i love to eat all day long and not sit down two or three times a day but at the same time if you are changing a role and you're eating or trying something different still listen to what your body is trying to tell you yes because everyone has their own path so i think exploring many options if you haven't found satisfaction in one and then meld it to be your own Well, I think that the reason that we're all able to practice some type of moderation or intuitive eating is because we've had the other. Like, I think that, you know, people who haven't had the experience with a meal plan or macros or any kind of restriction or Mm -hmm. or structure to food wouldn't really be able to do what what we're doing because they don't have a background in, like, what you're talking about, portion sizes, knowing how much to eat, like, For me, eating many, many meals a day to me is like, is hard. I like to eat maybe four meals a day and like a snack. So like four-ish, but I know how much I want to eat. And like 250 calories to me is kind of a throwaway. So I'm looking for like a, like a 400 calorie meal Mm -hmm. at least. And then I feel good. I feel not super full. And then I know when I'm hungry again, like three hours, four hours later, I'll eat again. But I also depend on like a signal in my body to tell me what what do you need like do mm-hmm. I need more and I'm finding that as I get older I don't know if you guys notice this but I find that my my body does really well when I pair protein with carbs or protein with fats and not with not, all, not with all three mm-hmm. because when I put all three together I get like terrible stomach pains and like um bloating and stuff like that where if I just keep it two of the three you know, one always being protein that I feel better, mm-hmm. you know, and it, and it doesn't, to me, it doesn't really matter which one I choose, but I am doing better at realizing, okay, this is how my body likes to eat food. So this is what I'm eating. Yep. Nope. I would agree. I'm in the same way. I'm usually looking at either part of uh, protein, fat, protein, carb, and throw in the veggies when I can. Not a big fruit mm-hmm. eater. I, I need to work on it. I don't know why. I don't. It'd be funny to try to figure out why I don't like eat a lot of fruit. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times, yeah, I'm not looking for that whole balanced meal. But if I know I did a protein fat earlier in the day, then I'm gonna lean to that protein carb a little bit later. Mm-hmm. And just being aware and okay with it. I'm okay mm-hmm. if I eat protein, fat, and carb, or I don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and just allowing yourself to have that 
freedom. A lot of people are eating and they're still unsatisfied with what they're eating and they don't know that they're giving nutrients and then they, I don't know, it's just a cycle. It's Honestly, such a I, like I think a lot of it is like, so when I'm hearing you guys talk about that, I'm like, okay, I'm not trying to look at my past behaviors because I had not consciously made that, uh, I, I was not, I was not aware of that though. Like yesterday, I distinctly remember I was like, I want a steak salad. And I was like, where are my carbs at? Um, and I was like, oh, applesauce. I'll just do a giant bowl of applesauce. And so I like started with like what was my body was craving, like a salad with, I don't know if it was chicken and then a bunch of bell peppers and carrots and whatever, like and with my oil vinaigrette, I was jazzed about it. And then I was like, where's the missing piece? Like I just hadn't, I, I, you the, the way that you think about your food, I think should be really intentional. And I think it starts with grocery shopping um, like asking yourself, what are your goals for this week's grocery shopping? For yeah. me, it happens on a weekly basis that I change my like overarching goal. Um, and I know that sounds like a bit eccentric, but let me break it down. Like, am I trying to lose weight or gain weight this week? And do I want to eat more clean foods or do I want to eat more processed foods? It's kind of like the questions that I ask myself. It just depends on like what I've been playing with my body and how I'll like a lot of times after one week of eating crap, like I'll feel like, oh yeah, like definitely a crap week, bring it on. And then the next week I'm like, find myself really craving going back to not buying breads and pastas and sticking with more just like rice, sweet potatoes, oatmeal. Like I, I just find myself having a natural fluctuation, but I don't stay in the like purity land. I really like move a lot around, but for me, it changes when I go grocery shopping, but I don't think people ask themselves that question before they go grocery shopping and sit and think, what do I crave? What do I want this week? Like, what is my body telling me that I want? And, and it's again about the, having that awareness to be able to sit list, litmus check, like, Ooh, what am I feeling? And like run possibilities through your head is something that also works. If you can't just, if it's crickets, when you go quiet, cause that for sure is still my experience with meditation. Um, it's like, ah, I'm looking for words, but I can't find anything. It's easier for me to ask questions and to look for a yes or a no, um, or some kind of inkling than it is to just like, look, try to grab something. So I'll ask like, okay, is fish this week? Like sometimes I feel more naturally inclined towards fish or some weeks I have a big meat aversion that is something that has surfaced for me for the first time in my life. I like, I don't want it. I don't want a lot of it. And so, okay, now I have to get really creative on how I want my, um, get my protein sources. And that actually led me down like a vegan vegetarian experiment mm -hmm. and experience. Um, and I carried a lot of those foods from that experience, though it wasn't perfectly adherent. Um, I carried a lot of those foods that I used and incorporated them into my daily diet because I like the idea and how I feel when I get more plant-based proteins. Um, and I'm not talking about pea protein, plant protein powder. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like right. Trying more to find real. different foods that are naturally higher in protein and like, finding ways to incorporate those into foods that I like eating. I, I also had a vegetarian vegan stretch for a while. And I started introducing meat back like a few months ago and I do it once in a while. And now I've been doing it almost like a meat meal almost daily or mm -hmm. every other day. And I have found like a big pull back to more vegetarian fish, pescatarian, you know, and 
it's interesting because it kind of comes in waves for me. Mm-hmm. Like there's sometimes where I'm like, I just want a big juicy steak or I want a yeah. burger or whatever it is. And then there's some weeks where I just don't really want any. Mm-hmm. And I also feel like by listening to that, Ozzy. like all the things are better, the skin, the hair, yeah. the nails, everything is so much like more vibrant for me than when I was doing competition prep, because I remember my hair was falling out. It was super thin and very weak. My nails were breaking all the time. My skin was kind of dull. Like I used to color my hair because the color was really dull. Like it's not anymore. Like I don't color my hair anymore. And so I'm finding there's a lot of benefit of eating, you know, more, more vegetables, more water, like more fish and some meat, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and for a lot of people that are like in the bodybuilding realm, that is like, it sounds awful to them. That's like something that they would run away from, you know, and it's just, it's interesting to just share that very honestly with people. And they're like, what? Yeah. You want all that? Do you get enough protein? Yeah. You know, and they're like so worried about your, like, do I look like a guy? You don't have to. And again, I mean, we're in the bodybuilding world and it's protein on protein on protein, but like, Mm -hmm. it's fun to watch as a mom and we don't, I don't force the the five food groups on my kids Mm -hmm. every meal and you don't have to have the fish, the protein. My kids love their carbs and it is what Mm -hmm. it is, but there's a lot of times where I have both kids craving meat. And when mm-hmm. they crave meat, they'll eat a bunch of it and they'll be so mm-hmm. satisfied and they're doing their own intuitive eating. And that's so cool. They crave fats. Maya will put down a whole avocado when she's ready. She's not going to do it every day. She's mm-hmm. not going to do it if I force it on every meal, but it's, what are you hungry for? Oh, you want, avocado? you want fats? Okay, great. Your body's craving it. They'll crave fish. They'll crave mm-hmm. meat. They're, they're craving the, the different things and not the individual foods and that, you can read that as a competitor and as a person who's playing with their food and not trying to satisfy the norms or satisfy a meal that's provided you by a restaurant and they decide what your portion size is, what your veggie size is and what, you know, all of that. It's more of you wanting to eat it. I crave a lot. We don't eat a ton of fish. We just went through a walleye run here on the river, but, um, I crave more fish than my husband, but that's my body saying that you need those different fats and those omegas and those things mm-hmm. and all of that. And if I can't get my hands on fresh fish, then I'll supplement, uh, uh, you know, a fat oil, fish oil, that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. But it's funny as I read into it, there was times during contest prep when I'm dieting down, but I could only dream of avocado. Who dreams of avocados? But I was, and you know what? I, Freaking Ava, I ate an avocado and I don't care who's going to say no and if it didn't fit mm-hmm. my macros, but my body said, you need this now, go for it. Mm-hmm. And it's funny when you strip back so far in dieting and prep or even just exploring, your, I guess, your own nutrition and the way you eat that your body naturally tells you starts to tell you and say hey we need some proteins or go get some fish or it comes in the natural foods if you're looking for it who doesn't crave ice cream and brownies and stuff like that doesn't go away right but if you really tie back and really stretch out your your body tells you when it wants an orange or it wants vitamin this and that i think the, the epitome of this is an infamous story at this point because i'm sure i've shared it with each of you at least twice Um, but I remember a distinct experience in contest prep when I ate a bell pepper over my macros and I cried real tears. And I was very upset with myself because I 
foregoed the rules of prep of not being able to stick to my macros and I chose to break it and eat a vegetable. And that is not something I was, it felt very unnatural. I felt like I was disobeying my body. And I actually just came across a video of myself during contest prep of me crying in my car, um, laying down, trying to get 20 minutes of a nap before work and expressing how unnatural it felt in my body to make such decisions of don't eat a bell pepper because you're not supposed to. And I felt my body craving vitamin C and I was like very determined and I had a dilemma. I was like, do I eat the vitamin C supplement that also has sucralose that I'm also not supposed to have? Or do I eat the bell pepper? I actually said these words aloud and the advice I was given was eat both dummy. It's a bell pepper. If you lose the competition because you ate a bell pepper, you got bigger problems. And and that was a very real dilemma for me. And I remember being very distraught about it and feeling so like I super disobeyed what my body had to say. And guess what came out of that experience through that amongst other things is I wore a badge of pride of putting my head down and I promised my coach that I would never undereat. That is not okay. Like I made that promise. I was like, I promise you, I will never undereat calories. What is wrong with me? Like what, what that I'm committing myself to wearing a label of being an overeater. And I was proud of that. And, and now that is very much not the case. I will again, tend to err on the undereating side in terms of my around even 2,400 calories a day with a 40-30-30 split, I my normal day fluctuates more than that, and I feel super okay with that now. But at one point, that was very much uh, the badge I wore and was able to completely change my identity. But it, like I think, I just, what I hope for people to do is to be able to cycle through these different experiences much more rapidly and not have to live through that phase in such a long period of time. Like, I hope you find that realization for yourself and be able to identify what it is, release it, work through it, realize something, change your identity. It sounds like weird to suggest for people to change their identity, but I don't think people do it enough. I think people try to hold on to a past identity of who they are, of their high school version, of their college version. And I think realistically, Every single time you introduce yourself to a person, you have the opportunity to reinvent who you are. And yeah, you can take it and try to be fake with it, but you can also take it as an opportunity to be the best version of yourself and kind of try it on for size, one tangible conversation at a time. And like, that's how I try to cycle through it, literally. Like when I meet a new person, I try to introduce myself as someone, you know, in a little bit more, a different perspective. And like, that's why I really liked networking was because I got to do that on a consistent basis. I got to retell what Cami's Cafe was. Well, I get to retell who I am and kind of try it on for size. And I'm not lying. I'm not, you know, creating false truths, but you can take one story and tell it from six different ways. And that is a physical conscious choice that you do get to make if you're aware enough about it and if you want it to change if you know where it is that you want to go you do have that opportunity and I believe it starts because it's like okay how do I how do I change who I am you do it like one conversation at a time 
and one non-conversation at a time. And this one is so true to myself. Don't retell stories of things you don't want to hold on to. And I have to like admit there is some sort of sick pleasure in like, yeah, misery loves company, man. This shit sucks, man. We're victims. This sucks, man. Like there's, there's something like that rile that's enticing about that feeling. But if, and it feels good in the moment, but if that's not the type of person that you want to be who feeds into that, then you have to not tell that story. And if two things happen to you that day, and you have the option to when your husband or wife or significant other comes home, which story do you want to tell them? The good news from the day or the bad news from the day? And it's not not looking at your problems, because I also think that is a greater overarching theme. It's not looking at the small problems, picking your battles. But how do you pick your battles? Well, you have to know what you care about to be able to pick the ones that are important to you and then literally just leave the other ones behind because you can ruin any marriage if you look close enough. Like you can drive someone crazy, but you don't have to as long as or those things don't matter to you or whatever. Like you get to just choose to be like, that doesn't actually make sense for me to be annoyed with that. Like you can retrain the way that you look at a situation too, just by revisiting that situation from trying to look from it from a different perspective. Like if this is just the way it's going to be, how can I choose to sit on the other side of this table and look at the experience from a different perspective and just be okay with it and move on? Because you can't sit and stir on everything, but I do think it's really important to sit and um, what I call dump the blender. <laughs> like there is a time and a place where you venting is just the best solution for the problem. And, but I do think there's like a replay like limit on there. <laughs> like, right. Maybe only once you are allowed or like it is suggested to dump the blender out, like get it off your chest, process it. I'm a verbal analyzer, like a verbal processor. So it really helps me to be able to dump the blender, but I have to be careful. And there's a choice to be made in how many times I spit that blender on someone else and how many people and who these people are. And if it makes sense for them to care about this problem. And then, you know, once you dump it out of the blender, there gives an opportunity to sit with it and, you know, to get that space. Like I said, I would talk, look for the litmus test. And ultimately you have two choices for any sort of complaint or dilemma is, is this in my control? Yes or no, no water off a duck's back. You just move on. That's it. You turn the chapter or you come up with a solution and you start looking for potential solutions, whether it's just brainstorming or, different scenarios that's when the dreaming comes in that's when you align that solution with where you want to go in life that's why it's important to know where you want to go at least in this moment it, it can totally change and it will but I think it's important to know right now given the information I have in my body where do I want to go what does it look like dream best case scenario because and don't again it's with that attachment don't be so attached to where it's going or like where it went or like what your identity was in the past or what your identity was in the future. Just because you said you wanted to do something at one point doesn't mean you have to finish it. <laughs> like if your alignment has changed within yourself and you came to a realization, then you should have no problem being able to explain that to someone and saying, actually my priorities shifted and I'm no longer going to follow through with this commitment. And here's why for me personally, in my situation, this is what makes sense to me. Or, you know, like, 
like my boyfriend has a really big problem with hypocrites, but I think that being hypocritical can sometimes, you know, the, I think the definition of hypocritical is saying one thing and doing another thing. Um, but over time, like, I think that it's okay for you to say one thing and for you to do another thing at a later date. It's the okay. flip-flopping that gets into problems, <laughs> um, I think, or like saying and doing both at the same time of opposite things, which, you know, is a true hypocrite. Um, but just the, I, I think you shouldn't be afraid of changing to, because you're going to feel like a hypocrite because that's the only way you can change is if you change what you said before and you're going to feel like you have an identity crisis, but guess what? We're all having identity crisis. Like life is changing. (laughs) We don't, we all say we know who we are, but it's changing. And it's just how many times, how many times did you repeat that version of who you are? That's really Mm -hmm. the closest version of who you are, I guess. Mm -hmm. Well, and like, that was so good. And I think that what you touched on, like disappointing other people, I think is super relevant too, because a lot of competitors are having to make a decision that they don't want to continue or they, they physically, mentally, emotionally, or whatever reason, for whatever reason, they cannot. And a lot of people are like, well, I don't want to disappoint anyone else. And I'm like, look, this was your commitment in the first place. It isn't disappointing anyone if you find that it isn't maybe in your best interest or whatever to do it and you don't ever owe anyone an explanation but here's the honest truth nobody cares if you do the competition or not the only person that cares is you but you want you care about it so much that you want everyone else to care and I get that but at the same point like that isn't the reason to do or not do it for other people if it really is for you you should be okay saying I'm not going to do it and not feeling like you have to give an explanation and unless it is somebody that you do really care about. Like you don't really ever have to give that, you know, like if it's your relationship, yes, that would be a case where you would want to explain why, but also like, who, like whatever feedback people have for you isn't going to change your decision if you truly have already made it and you're comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of people are searching for that, external feedback yep and that's really uncomfortable because they then they then they flip-flop like I've had people that go back and forth like every day you know and I'm just like maybe you really need to think about what this means to you and why you're having this kind of up and down movement with it because you're not able to commit one way or the other like there's something else going on there has nothing to do with this event it has something to do with you like, you're the factor that we need to look at. And a lot of people don't want to hear that because they're like, oh, no, I'm not doing it because of this. And I'm like, I didn't wasn't asking for an explanation. I was asking for you to think about it. Mm-hmm. So that was, like, that was super valid what you said. And it just, it's so valid in all aspects of really any part of life. But if we were going to put it back to bodybuilding, like, that's one where a lot of people just can't, you know, like, Right, they can't. They keep. A lot of people tend to ask external sources to find their, in, you know, their internal answer. And a lot of times, especially when you're headed down a competitor path, it no one else can answer that, or you're asking the wrong people. You're asking people that haven't been on that path, 
or people that want to see you reach that goal and they mm -hmm. saw you push, push, push for it. So they're going to try to be supportive for you to keep going, but you might have mentally said, I'm done or vice yeah. versa. They want you to be done, but you mentally said you keep going, especially when you hit that level of fitness that we're talking about with competing or marathons or any higher level of training where you're doing a program and a commitment, you tend to go out to external sources that aren't relevant or aren't going to necessarily give you all the answers because you want that feel good answer and you want someone to, to make you feel better in that moment when truly maybe you, you know, but again, you might ask your husband and he might uplift you again and he might bring mm -hmm. you to that next level and help you mm -hmm. get there. But yeah. now with all these external things that are happening in our lives that we really can't control or we can control, but we really can't this, this is a whole new ball game for everyone, mm -hmm. right? With quarantines mm -hmm. and gyms shutting down and trainers being, disconnected or reconnected in a whole new way everyone has their different variables that's swaying them and at that point you have to let go of all what you thought was normal and all mm -hmm. of what you thought was going to get you to your end result because your end result now is has been adapted and changed so then you too are forced to adapt and change and it's almost like pulling back whether you pull back from a competition or whether you drive forward it's different now. Everyone's fitness is different now, whether you're doing it at home, you're waiting for a gym, or whatever you're choosing to do. Now it's reestablishing a new mindset and a new goal. Absolutely. On, on, on all of it, and maybe even a new path of training or a new path of eating or a new, you know, maybe you were more of that solo type, and now that you've been even more solidarity or more on your own you're like i do need more women or more people in my life mm -hmm. and i need more of a community because i used to feel alone but i felt like being alone was empowerment but now i feel so alone and so secluded that i need more and it's more of stepping back and what was your old norm or what was the norm that you were trying to create with this path and creating a new one it's not easy it's not easy for anyone i mean at any point we all have different battles of, of our nutrition and eating and goals and different stuff, but it's finding a new highlight along the way. A lot of mine was seeing manipulative and, or just manipulating and changing my body, but a lot of fun things that I look at now is I have no problem um, taking breaks and doing intuitive eating or, mm -hmm. um, uh, or just looking at where I'm at now and be like, okay, I want to gain weight. Like to me, a big thing of women that don't allow is allowing a break and being like, you know what, I'm going to put on five pounds. And like I say that to women, they think I'm crazy, but allowing change, whether it's a positive or negative or anything and ease around it. And it gives you more freedom later to take it off, or it gives you more freedom to restrict yourself or cause a new norm, even if it isn't completely within a contest prep. Your life and food and your relationship you have with it is foremost the thing you're gonna you're gonna deal with. You have to eat, sleep, breathe, all of it. I'm sorry, eat is one thing that you will not if you don't do it, you die. So you might as well reestablish a brand new relationship with it. And here's mm -hmm. your chance 
whether you're contest prepping, if you've got the rug out, pulled out from under you, or you're not contest prepping and you wanted to next year, but everything, you know, who knows? Financially, people's lives are changed. Their daily routine has changed. Their children's, their husband, all of that trickle affects it down. So now yeah. is the best time to be forced to make a change when you weren't ready for it, but maybe needed it. And establish that new relationship with food and the possibility of that thing. Just as you breathe, just as you drink water, you have a relationship with food. And what is that? Find out mm -hmm. what that is. I love amazing, high-quality, beautiful food. I don't need it every day. But when I get it, I appreciate it. And I don't I don't look down at the, the, the rice and chicken. I'm cool with that, whatever. If I'm really hungry, I'm going to eat. Oh, I'll eat a grub in the middle of nowhere. You know, you don't know hunger hungry and if my kids are like oh, I'm hungry but I don't know what I want but I this is what I tell them you're not hungry you're definitely not hungry if you are not craving something very particular then you're not hungry go play you're bored that's what I tell them you're bored go eat a grub go eat a grub and I don't want to eat a grub but you don't know hunger you know what I mean it's a whole different Anyone who complains about being hungry, you really, it's a whole new level, you know? Yes. Go ahead. And on, honestly, just a life hack with learning your hunger, I would use the most boring, bland meal I could think of and say, would I eat that? And if I did, even though I had a plate of spaghetti in front of me, which is my favorite meal, if I thought, would I genuine, honest to God, eat rice, unseasoned chicken, and freezer vegetables? If I said yes, I'd be like, great, or spaghetti time. If not, I would be like, okay tiny spaghetti time like exactly. not actually hunger this is out of, of a pleasure here um and when it comes to this time it's going to be really tempting to reach for other opinions especially as we're grasping mm -hmm. for social connection but by giving the power of someone else to make a greater influence on your life than your own opinion you're saying that your opinions matter more than my opinions and a quote that really embodies this for me for um, in a book that I'm reading called Your Erroneous Zones, which is all about self-destructive behavior. It's really interesting to read a book about self-destructive behavior while exuding self-destructive behavior in terms of <laughs> avoiding different projects. Um, really interesting experiences I've had during quarantine about um, tastes of self-destructive behavior. So here's a quote that made me think. Um, you can never find self-fulfillment if you persist in putting yourself to be controlled by external forces or persist in thinking that you are controlled by external forces, like you just will never find that piece of home of you. You will never find who you are of what that, what your version of your name is. If you think you're a victim in this world, if you think you have no choice and you think that your choices and actions are dependent on what other people think or do, it won't happen. You can live your life living in an external world um, and being very reactive um, to life circumstances. And it's, believe me, it's easier to be in that place. There involves less energy and effort, therefore lying it easier. But it doesn't, just because it's easy doesn't mean it's better. There is a time. There, I, think, yeah. I think a lot of people with that statement also that they, they don't realize that they've fallen into that hole and they've gotten there and they've been so positively fed here and there that they continue to go back to it 
And it's a like an aha moment as I don't need you to satisfy my happiness. I don't need your yes or your compliment or anything. Like if I feel like I look good in these jeans, I'm good with it. You know what I mean? I never asked my husband, does my butt look good? I know it looks good enough for me. You know what I mean? Like I never had a big juicy booty, but it's not so bad, you know? So I never ask him how I look, how am I doing? Because I've already satisfied that. I chose mm-hmm. the dress. I know I spent an extra hour on makeup. I know I look my best right now. I feel good. You know, I hope he says it randomly, but it's not not going to make or break my day about that self-fulfillment. And the same with food or other things. Or A lot of people who do contest prepping are looking for that physical change, and they forget about the mental changes that really should be embraced more often, and that can be self-fulfilling. And honestly, I, and I'm sorry, Tara, I will let you speak. <laughs> I just am so thought provoking. Um, the external feedback, I recognize that I was searching for a lot of external feedback only when it stopped coming. Um, and I think that that's probably for a lot of people. Obviously, you don't really notice like the good when it's going good. And you're like, yeah, everybody loves me. Um, until it stops. And I honestly, this is a whole nother like topic on its own, but I feel like on my come up of my changing my physique, I had a lot more vocal praise in just steer to statistical facts. And now, even though in theory, I'm still being exposed to the same audience, I'm getting less and less and less feedback on my physique. And I don't need any compliments on my physique. I'm just noticing a trend. And even though my physique does look better, Statistically, now I get far less acknowledgement than when it. Why well, was it kind of on the come up? Um, uh-huh. Like it was just an interesting realization because I was feeling I was like, I'm looking better and better. Like where, where are these people with where that liked people me when I looked like trash? In my opinion, yeah, you now. had a comment, Camille, when you had gotten your pro card that along her journey when she her close calls she would get more praise and gratitude and fulfillment from other people because they were just bombarding. We love you. You're doing great. She nails her pro card, gets it. Nobody was, no one, the comments stopped. And it was almost like she achieved her goal. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like if people like, oh, some people just get like, oh, we don't need to validate her anymore. I yeah. like you when you, when you almost got it, but you failed. It, I could relate right. to you better. I can relate to you better because I failed or I fail, and now that you won and you fought for it, people get quiet. And it's not, I don't know, it's just, it's very interesting. But yeah. if you're looking for that fulfillment and it's not there, then you're like, oh, could that be? Yeah, mm-hmm. this is either going to be detrimental or, okay, turns out I need to find some of my own fulfillment. If It just like, it came, it struck me of that people are inherently so selfish their world revolves around them and that's true for everybody mostly or they they live behind their own eyeballs people don't actually care enough about you and i mean that in the kindest of ways right about your life's decisions and like whatever like you get what i'm saying like people are inherently selfish and so if you should put yourself first because you're the one living in your body and moving through your life 100 percent of the time even though people see moments of it in different doses it's you that's got to be steering the ship otherwise like i said you're going to lack that opportunity to find who you are and to find that potential for any uh, a glimmer of self-fulfillment like there's no real moment where you're like aha i haven't fulfilled <laughs> and i i'm good yeah yeah so you get there and you're like 
Oh, this is okay. I mean, it's not as, I mean, where's my red carpet and fireworks, but are we having a party for me right now? Yeah, right? Yeah. (laughs) No one threw a secret surprise party Mm -hmm. for me, (laughs) but it's almost having, and then you look, you get there and it's like, okay, can I find satisfaction in it? Can I find my growth in it? Can I be happy? Can I be super happy? But then we're all of a sudden like, well, what's next? Like, is mm-hmm. that next thing going to mm-hmm. kill me more? Because this one was good, but it wasn't quite there. But to me, it's like, be happy with the accomplishment you got. And I'm bad at this because I'll accomplish one huge goal way faster than I expected to accomplish it. And then I'm like, well, I, I got there way faster. I got to do a bigger goal and I got to try to make mm-hmm. it more because I know I can. That one turned out to be easier fulfill, 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 and you're not slowing down and appreciating and mm. celebrating the little wins or the medium wins or all of that. I'm, yeah. a, I'm a big problem with not, not self-fulfilling that, that win. You know, take a moment, mm. take a day, let the win soak in and, yeah. and move on to another one. Well, and like all of the, uh, like I see my journey through the fitness era for, my, for myself, the competition, was like I didn't I, I didn't really ever get the validation before I started competing. Like I didn't really search that out. I didn't feel poorly about myself, but I also like didn't feel great about myself. Like I was okay. And then all of a sudden, like I, you get used to getting the feedback all the time. Like what are the judges looking for? And everyone's giving you their opinion about what your body looks like. And then all of a sudden, it's like you get detached from like this is where I live. This is like people talking, giving me feedback about what they think about it. Do I really care? And yes, I did for a long time. And like, it was, it was like on MySpace before there was Facebook, you know, we were getting like, and the people that comment or are engaging with that are oftentimes competitors. So they like kind of expect it back, you know? So it's like, it's like they say something nice and you say something nice and then it like just keeps going. Right. But then eventually it burns out and then it's just, and then it's just hard because you're used to that. And it's like the amount that you need like increases to satisfy like the dopamine rush that you hit that you're like, yeah, this is good. This is good. And then all of a sudden when it stops, when you're not competing, when you're not posting competition pictures or photo shoot pictures where you look perfect, Mm -hmm. like nobody cares, like exactly. And then when you start realizing that nobody really cares is when you can just decide that it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You know, like I posted something the other day about like, I didn't wear shorts or, or white jeans because I have cellulite and I felt like I wasn't worthy to wear white pants or people would judge me. And then I was like, I saw like a, like a, a normal sized girl wearing shorts and like not giving a fuck. And I was just mm-hmm. like, that's what I I want that like uh-huh. why am why am I why don't I feel that way about myself mm-hmm. uh-huh. and then I was like fuck it I'm gonna go buy those white jeans and I'm gonna get a pair of shorts and I'm gonna wear them and I still have those pants and I still wear those shorts and I don't care uh-huh. if you don't like how I look don't look yeah like if uh-huh. you don't like me it doesn't bother me you know but it mm-hmm. took me so long to get there and I think that because people think that that the competition brings confidence, what they don't see is that it also sometimes feeds that need for validation and makes that more important. And then you forget about what confidence actually is because you're so caught up in that cycle of validation where if it's like you don't post enough about like how your body looked then and then people see you in person, they're like, oh, you got that or whatever, you know, whatever it is. They're like, oh, you don't look like you do it. I'm like, 
duh. Of course I don't look like that. That was like 10 pounds ago. Uh But then you're scared of showing people the real you. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it got there for me. And it was just like, I couldn't show people who I was because I felt like I wouldn't get the feedback I wanted. So I would just post something easy, right? Mm -hmm. Like, oh, here's a workout pic from like a couple months ago or like whatever it was. And then it just, it was just this vicious cycle where I I was never winning that one. You know, I was never going to win that cycle. And it just had to come to a head where I was like, why don't I feel good about how I look? Or why don't I feel good in my body? Because I work really hard to be confident. Why don't I have that? Mm -hmm. And even recognizing that I didn't have it was hard. Absolutely. And I have a similar lived experience of that, of my crop tops. And I being the person who I see a problem with like, why do I avoid that? Mm, What's going on there? And I like poke around. Mm -hmm. So I actually do like crop top exposure therapy. And I actually will go out of my way to purchase crop tops. I will wear them in public and like just self-talk it out. Like, okay, this Mm -hmm. is normal. You're fine. No one thinks you're fat. I promise. Are you looking around? Yep. Haven't seen a single person that thinks you're fat. (laughs) It's still like, and I will continuously do it again and again. And like at different, okay, okay. I can wear a crop top to the mall because I don't feel threatened there. I can't wear a crop top around like loved ones or or like at like a family gathering. Cause I feel very judged or self-conscious and like, well, what's going on there? Well, is that because that I associate that look with a different identity? Well, that like, so I like literally crop top exposure therapy because I was like, I refuse to let this piece of clothing hold like victory over me. This is not okay. I should be okay to wear a crop top. I'm a pro athlete and I will literally just like run it through. All right. But I think a lot of the times where that stemmed from me for a very long time was in the media that I consumed. And I think we very much, all three of us have experienced that of we live in the elite fitness realm. And comparison is a very natural human nature uh, tendency. And so you start to compare yourself to your your equals or to your competitor, you know, the people that are literally standing up next to you. And you start to do the his, hers game and you will completely discredit anything good that came your way and you will fixate, fixate. And that is like, that's a big coaching moment for me with my clients is like, listen, your little chub at the bottom of your stomach is not going to go away until you get unhealthily shredded, potentially. Like, until you get it to the way you want it to look, like on Instagram models. So, we can talk about getting there and what it takes to get there, but what I want you to do is find other places that are changing and look at those because the time is going to pass regardless. So, let's try to take an opportunity to look at what is changing because... We already talked about, you know, there are certain unfortunate circumstances that lead to body fat coming off our body in different ways. And just because we want it to come off in a certain place doesn't mean that that's how it goes. So let's not be miserable during the next, you know, a year for some people. Um, And just look for the places that are changing and get excited about those. And that's really like what I want to get like hone into is when it comes to these different nutritional experiments. I want you to think about them as an experiment. Get curious. How does my body respond if I eat this? And don't look at it from a place of fearing yourself um, because there is a really fine line for me between giving yourself grace and lying to yourself. Uh, That is a very unfirm footing for me. And, but you don't achieve 
place you don't get to places you want to go by taking timid steps you get there by taking leaps of faith and like doing as much inner litmus checking as you can like just try to like but again it comes with having that awareness to be able to be like okay feel good or not like you're gonna make mistakes or you're gonna make choices you probably wish you would have taken a different direction but it's a blessing or a blessing and like i said move forward with like the presumed protocol but a lot of that environment of my crop top phobia stemmed from the media that I was consuming. So there is a role that I play subconsciously that I wasn't being selective about where I was putting my eyeballs. And that is so relevant now more than ever before in my entire life, because I you know, had a stance on the media that I consumed. And now it becomes less and less uh, what feels like my choice of the media that I'm consuming because of conversations that are just more relevant. Um, But at the end of the day, you have a choice in the state in which you choose to live the majority of your day in. You're going to cycle. There's going to be highs. There's going to be lows, whether it's a day, an hour, a week, a month. It's it's going to cycle. Be ready for that. Like nowhere, this too shall pass, even if you're riding high. It's important to recognize that and just try to savor it. If this is your riding high moment, let's try to be more present and engaged in where we are and try to make that memory seem longer and, you know, get, get curious and have fun with these times. It's like I said, pick, pick the different seat. If where your seat vision sucks, go sit around the other table and choose to make the same experience, whether you have control over the um, situation or not choose to view it from a different area, from a place of curiosity, enjoyment, experimentation. If that like, too much is woo woo, just like experiment, test, retest, solution, next step, test, retest, solution, next step. Like there's so many, you can break it down and be really tangible and follow rules and still be making efforts to try to like work towards the best version of yourself and, you know, giving yourself grace. You don't have to be perfect all the time. Like the the four keys to wisdom or something book, basically one of the key concepts was like, do your best. Oh, four agreements. Yes, yeah, four agreements. I'm really good with quotes. <laughs> and it was do your best. And the example that stuck with me was if you're hungover, be the best damn hungover person that you can be that day. That does not mean doing the dishes, folding the laundry, taking care of the house and kids. It might just mean brushing your teeth before you go to bed. And like that might be your genuine best. But where that line is dangerous is... Is it someone else's definition of best or is it your honest with yourself, which is hard to do because again, lying to yourself feels super awful, but you kind like, you have to sit with it. You have to make a choice, commit and go and understand that every decision or you make choices based on your current experiences and information. And you have to have belief that that, you know, like certainty that that is why you're going with this decision and be open that you may learn more information and you may change route at a later date. And that's totally okay to do as long as you know why you're changing. In case you're confronted with someone who wants to know why you're changing. So just so you have ammo. I think that people also don't realize that when we were talking about like setting new goals and, and like achieving something, but not staying in that and appreciating it, like we create happiness, we choose happiness. Like it isn't something that is just there with each accomplishment. Like it isn't just given, 
you have to be able to create that anywhere and you can create it in any moment. And it took me a really long time to understand and to live that concept because I was like, my happiness was conditional on how my body looked, how other people spoke to me, like what I was receiving, you know, it just, for a long time, I put it, it was so conditional and it is not conditional or it shouldn't be. And it's just, it's up to us to choose that because that is a better way to live in my mind than to be like always kind of depending on other people for that, like validation or whatever it is, the next goal, or just being constantly like in a state of not appreciating, you know? Right. So, you, you have- I think when you're taking on large goals, like <clears throat> competition prep or new goals of houses or rebuilding or big projects Mm -hmm. on whatever level it is it's your mindset going into it like Mm -hmm. we just bought a barn full of calf stalls and 25 loads of crap hay but to me i knew it's going to be hard work but physical Mm -hmm. work to me isn't hard hard is Mm -hmm. different than physical right so Mm -hmm. i already predetermined that no matter how physical it gets or how laborious it gets or how the days get long the whole encompassment is there's joy around there because of the end result and it's easy to get tied into with the hard and contest prep and it being Mm -hmm. hard and the hurdles that come and i fell down a hole with it too mentally but at the same time it's like how do you pull back what was your mindset leading into this? Was it joy? Then we got to refine that again. Or if you're in the middle of it and it should be joyous, well, what were the things that were going to give you that happiness? Let's find those yeah. again and scale back yeah. again, even if it gets hard or harder than you expected. And everyone has goals in mind and we all get these different variables and things that are thrown at us that we are not expecting. And no one else had to do what I did and it's so hard, but okay, I knew the hard things were coming, bring it on, okay, I just didn't Mm -hmm. know it'd be that, but okay, let's just, okay, bring it on, let's keep going, hurdle, jump it, hurdle, jump it, but Mm -hmm. it's not always easy, how do you get reset, who do you lean to, you look back, Mm -hmm. go back to the beginning, look back of your why, and if Mm -hmm. you push forward and weeks have moved on, do you need to create a new why, do you need to go find that again, and how do you redefine that why, like Camille says, your mindset will change if you allow your mind to grow and your physical aspect to all grow, right? Mm-hmm. Now you become a new person. So your why now has adapted as well because you've grown, you've become more intelligent, you can control your eating more, you can hit your workouts or not hit your workouts. It's all about the mindset and how you adapt to the new level of what you're trying to get to and the new yeah. you at the same time. Uh, a lot of like to me that like immediately highlights uh, are you setting yourself up for success take an honest look are you setting yourself up for success those words to me I'm easy to repeat them because it's words we've always heard set yourself up for success but what is that let's unpack what that means to me it means each one of us has the opportunity to cultivate the conditions for a conducive behavior towards whatever it is that you're trying to move towards I like and that can be boiled down to success formulas and you know for me like I have a couple different buckets of success formulas that I use when I'm in the valley and I need a hard reset I have a success formula for that like I take an Epsom salt bath I drink water I take my vitamins I listen to Spanish music and maybe Tony Robbins to 
like grace myself out of that contact like and I try to approach these problems from two perspectives always the physiology and the psychology so change your physical environment I think that that goes unlooked a lot of times like you have the power to create your environment a lot of the times or in a lot of different ways you create your own environment and it can be really conducive to really good behavior by making just such small choices like I made my bed and tossed a book on top of my bed and I read my book like 70% more than I had read my book in the last months. And I did not hold myself to reading my book for a certain amount of days. I just simply put it more front of face and got rid of the friction for something that I, I wanted to do more of. And it was easier for me to do that. Like make it easier for yourself to do what you're trying to do and make it easier for yourself in your circumstances. Like, my snow pants is like the epitome of that. I refused to live another winter in Minnesota complaining about the cold. I was like, this is my choice. I am an adult. I'm choosing where I wish to live. And if being cold and when I walk outside and it makes me angry, that is not something I choose to live with each and every day. So what am I going to do about this? Your home girl wears full snow pants, bib overall sweatpants, snow pants mm-hmm. every single day. And I live six minutes away from my workplace. And I did it every single day. Totally and I, fine. And yeah, I did it totally two days fine. and it, it pissed off so many people or maybe not pissed off, but it got aroused but out of a lot of people. In that six minutes, you could have turned miserable and you've been mm-hmm. in cold and crabby and it could have just taken you off your high flying disc and then you got to start over again. Mm-hmm. Right. And so right, I, but you, but you created a strategy for yourself yeah. to be able to like take action. Like instead of just being like, I'm going to wear this, like I'm going to read the book. I'm going to actually put it physically where I'm going to go so that I am more likely to pick it up without it feeling like a chore or like I have to. It's putting, it's just creating like a convenient thing for me. Or like even the snow pants is just like, (laughs) I'm just deciding not to be miserable. And everyone around me will thank me for that because I won't complain about it and I feel better about it. Exactly. What are the petty things that you might sit and complain about that you don't even know? Yeah. You don't really like, like you're bitching that your mindset cool. reset. I'm going to live in Minnesota, so I'm going to wear the, the snow pants and all the things. Yeah, yeah, all the time. And, like, to me, like, given an experience that I witnessed of, like, hey, let's go do this outdoor activity in the middle of winter mm-hmm. in Minnesota and then show up literally not prepared for outdoor activity in Minnesota physically in the form of your outer garments you chose to wear. Right. And then you had a terrible experience because you made a decision not to think about it in advance and to cultivate your happy space. Like it's all about, and I'm a planner. Like I'm going to think about it in advance. Like how can I cultivate my happy space for wherever I'm going? So I like to try to like run through those scenarios ahead of time. And normalize it too, just by having the things that you need to be like showing up for whatever it is and feeling comfortable. Like there's nothing like same, there's nothing worse for me than being cold and wet. So the solution is to have warm waterproof things that I can layer so that I'm never cold and wet. So I can go to things and be outside and not feel angry or like I want to move right this second because it's just like like that's not a solution or like a that's not something right that's gonna happen so but you guys I have to get going because I have an appointment okay uh thank you so much I think that uh we hit on all all the things and I'm super happy about where this discussion went and I hope that this 
helps. Hopefully I can put some sort of sense and order and, you know, Mm. key takeaways or, you know, action steps that you could take to get you started. I'm probably going to try to do this in the form of like questions that you can ask yourself because that's what resonates with me. Um, And so I will give my best attempt to decipher this double-sided page of notes and share with the rest of the world this amazing conversation. I I'm a sleeping anything. baby. Did you see that? I put a child to sleep. Ooh. That's cute. We yeah. wrote on paper with a man-made object. <laughs> <laughs> you they, win with the baby. You yeah. call it, I don't even know how that happens. I told her not to talk. She's like, okay, I'll take a nap. <laughs> that, was, that was a good strategy. Yes. <laughs> Cultivating your happy space. <laughs> exactly. Case in point. Exactly. Well, thank you, ladies. I have so much thank love you. and respect and a gratitude for each of you. So thank you. Thank you. Um, I think it's a really valuable message and I'm excited to share it with everyone and see what people get from it. I got a lot. I filled up my cup today. So I'm, I'm at a win-win for here. Yep. This is good. Good. I always, I always leave our discussions like feeling so heard and, and like, and, and validated, not in the way that I needed, but just being able to have conversations around ideas and like things that can help other people. So mm-hmm. yep. no, I love that. So thank you for being available for that. Yes. Exactly. Thank you. Yep. Have a wonderful rest of your night. Yay. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.